The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. Um, thanks for joining us. We're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center here in Los Angeles, California. Um, thanks for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. Hope everybody's New Year is going uh, well. Um, this week, we have another episode of our, of our famous um, and much-loved client files, um, where we bring on a person that is in recovery um, at multiple stages, anywhere from zero to 100 years of sobriety, um, and just kind of get their input of where they're at, what they're doing, what works, and what doesn't work. Uh, today, we have uh, we have Ben with us. Ben is 23 years old. Um, he's from Chicago um, area, and he is um, he's going on about 78 days of sobriety right now. Congratulations, Ben. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Um, ben, tell us a little bit about your just kind of your life of how you got where you're at now you've been through seven to eight treatment centers um you um you told me before we started i tried not to get too much info from you because i wanted to save it for the show and just to have it to be just a rolling conversation with you but um you're kind of your drugs of choice and i know you said depending on where you were living it went from heroin to cocaine to meth um do you have a favorite uh, heroin by by far. Uh, heroin has always been my number one drug to go to. Of really, course, if it was an option, but it's always been about like what's available at the time, you know. A little bit of a little bit of a dumpster, so to say. You'll take yeah. whatever you can get. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. When did you start doing drugs? Uh, when I was about twelve or thirteen, I started smoking weed with my friends, kind of to fit in. You know, I was that I was that person in high school that really didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. But when I smoked weed and I was selling, you know, drugs, it, it was that it was my go-to. You know. It was my way of connecting with everybody else. Why didn't you fit in? What, what, what was up with that? Uh, well, I mean, be- when I was growing up, my brother was always very successful. He was a straight-A student. He was, uh, he was like, the championship-winning football star for my high school. Mm-hmm. You know? In my town, high school football was a huge thing, you know? And when I... When I was growing up, he was the starting quarterback for this championship-winning team. He was a star athlete in track and field, and and when I when I didn't do that, it was like surprising to a lot of people, and that was kind of my disconnect from everybody else because they thought I was going to be some kind of star because of who my brother was, and to be this, I, I don't want to say unathletic, but un. I wasn't driven to become an athlete like my brother and I never was a great student in school you know I was always disconnected in like my subjects and really the only thing I was able to do well in was automotive so I I, and when I didn't have too many friends I started smoking weed to fit in with everybody else well 
And that's so just because your brother was one person and your parents did your mom, your relationship with your mom and dad, did, they, they were married, divorced? Uh? Yeah, my parents were married. Um, so was that, were they expecting you, I mean, how much younger are you from your brother? Six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. So your brother went through high school being one person and then you were growing up and you were good guy just it just doing just doing sports wasn't your gig right well i mean you, did you like sports yeah i love sports i mean i love just watching not. my brother play and it was it was like he was my best friend growing up hmm. and then in sixth grade he left to go to college the university was you know so proud of my brother yeah you know it's just it uh it was it was definitely a big change just that that big brother that aspect just leaving your life and ever since then it's just never been the same between me and him you know really yeah even to the to this day to this day uh, we don't talk really very much I, i'm trying to connect more with him ever since i got sober um and i you know i've been trying to get call you know we shoot text back and forth every now and then but mm-hmm. i mainly hear how he's doing through my through my mom you know me and my mom are extremely close today good that was that always the case it's yeah, pretty much. It's always been the case throughout me growing up. Uh, my mom has always called me her Project Benjamin because I've always had problems, and she wanted me to see me do well. But I, I, uh, I always was very selfish. I did what I wanted to do, regardless of what anybody else told me. Hmm. Do you think you were actually the selfish one, or do you think it's the drugs that were actually making you selfish? Well, it was because the dr- well the drugs made me selfish because I didn't like being told what to do, mm-hmm. and not too many parents are fond of not so much, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Yeah. I get it. When did you move? So you started smoking weed when you were twelve, correct? Give or take twelve. Yeah. What grade is that? Uh, that Seven? was right around the sixth grade. You know, wow. sixth, seventh grade. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Smoking weed in sixth grade. Yep. Wow. When did you, when was the next drug? When, when did you graduate to another drug? Uh, well, I started drinking right after around my 16th birthday. Um, and it was an instant, like. So you did, So you started smoking weed when you were 12, but you didn't drink at all? I really didn't drink at all. No, I, I maybe had a beer or two here, you know. But I, the first time I ever got drunk was when I was 16 years old. Um, told my friend I was, or told my mom I was staying at a friend's house. So sophomore year of high school, probably. Sophomore year of high school. I got, first time I got drunk, it was on a school night, and I remember waking up and feeling like absolute oh, garbage. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I, I get it. Yeah. And I get it, it. It, it. But that was my instant, that was, that was another way I connected with everybody else, because I was like, beer pong, you know, this is, this is the life, you know, you go and drink on the weekends, you smoke weed during the week. You know, and drinking. I, the first thing I did when I woke up the next morning, I went to school and I felt I felt like hell. And I, I, I said, I'm never going to drink on a school night ever again, you know. So I went back to smoking weed and then every weekend I partied hard. Like, that's See, that's interesting. So, I mean, think about just the wording they use there. You feel like hell, mm-hmm. but you had a part of you that said, man, I got to feel horrible. This is the worst thing, but you know what? I'm not going to drink during the week anymore. I'll save feeling like hell to the weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, think about that. What that's kind of so jacked is up. That? Yeah, that's well, it's the same thing. I always say to people all the time, and I'm I'm guilty of it too, a million times. You watch people throw girls, guys, doesn't matter. They are literally throwing up in a toilet. I mean, they are just way too much to drink and just puking their brains out. And then they wait. I'm never doing this again. Uh, this is the worst thing I've ever done. They go get a little greasy food. 
You know, they get some hash browns, they get some bacon, <laughs> they get some eggs, they go down to their favorite little grease spoon downtown, mm-hmm. and then they take a little nap, maybe watch a little football, a little just crappy TV, and then they rally, and then 9 p.m. Saturday night, they're like, let's do it again. Exactly. 12 hours earlier, they were licking their palms, wishing <laughs> that the Almighty would take them, because they felt that bad. <laughs> right. What's up with that? But it's like, if you had... I, mean, I just think it's funny because if we go, if you and I go out and go, we'll grab some sushi right now, okay? Mm-hmm. And we go have sushi and you get a bad piece of sushi and you start puking your brains out. The chances of you going, A, back to that sushi restaurant or B, having sushi again, it's probably slim to none. Right, yeah. But you'll go have alcohol and, you know, puke your brains out, feel like hell, but we go do it again. What's, I mean, it's the same thing with heroin. Because I like the effects produced by it. And it's a lot of people say I drank because of this or I drank because of that. No, it's like I like the effects produced by drugs and alcohol. I like the way I feel on them. And that was that was my big like why I drank or why I used. I I never really like had a reasoning for why I did it. I did it because I like to do it and I liked hanging out with people. And that was my go to, you know, like my fit in, you know. But you did. You liked how it made you feel. But you also liked it because it gave you it. You just said it made you fit in. Exactly. So that's maybe why you did it. Right. I mean, I mean, well, I originally, guess they, yeah, originally it was I drank to fit in, but I'm. But later it was later probably, it was it was I liked the way it made me feel when I drank. Yeah. You, know? you like that person, or you like the way it made you feel? Because it probably did it turn you into a different person. Oh yeah, no, I was wild. Uh, it turned me. So you like the wild guy? Yeah, yeah. No, I like the crazy Ben that would do pretty much anything, you know. And, yeah. Uh, it the gave crazy me, bad. Yeah, the liquid courage to go hit on whatever girl I wanted to hit on, you know, yeah. and, and pull it off every single time. Yeah. No, it does it. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. You got to rely on something in a, in a you know a glass mm. to give you the courage to what you want to go do to hit on the girl. Why don't you think that girl would talk to you before? I mean, j- just in full in full disclosure, I'm the same way. Mm. I thought I had to have an eight ball of cocaine in my pocket in order to get a girl to talk to me. When I went through treatment the last time, I was like, all right, so how are we going to do this? <laughs> I can't even, because I used to walk around sober for, granted, a little bit of time yeah. with an eight ball in my pocket. Ooh. Okay. I used to walk around with an eight ball in my pocket and because I didn't have the courage or the guts to go to get a girl. I thought I needed an eight ball and a pack of Parliament cigarettes. And I wasn't smoking at the time at all. I just thought that that's what I was going to do. Right. And that would be my game. To go get them. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, what's up with that? I mean, also, I was that person who at the party could drink anyone, I mean, anybody. I would out drink anybody. Like a guy that's 300 pounds slamming him back. I was that guy to out drink you and then still keep going after everybody's passed out. And it, that, that for some reason in high school, girls appeal to that. They like the guy who could drink. I don't know why. It's, that, it's just the way it is. Not so much now, though, later in life, it seems like. Right, right. Yeah. Right. The girls didn't know better then. Either did we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, so the crazy Ben would come out, mm-hmm. have a couple cocktails, we do a little of this, we do a little of that, crazy Ben comes out, gives you liquid courage, turns you into a to- turns you into a crazy Ben. Yeah. Whatever you want to be. I, I had an alter ego too. I liked who it was. Mm. It cha- would change who I was. Yeah. It was almost like, it was a I always used to say, um, well, I didn't always used to say this because I didn't know it until I got sober, but there was 12 different Rosses that would turn up at different events. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you weren't, 
there's the Ben that you probably are when it's just you and your mom just together. It's probably a Ben when you were just with your dad. There's a Ben maybe with your brother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You had a Ben probably in Chicago when you moved to Florida, when you moved out here. Yeah, that's without a doubt true. Yeah, I was like a new person. How many Bens do you think there were? Uh, I, I don't even want to count. So. A dozen? Yeah, at least. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Kind of nuts to think of it that way. Yeah, it is. How I many stage, ca- right? Way. Isn't it nuts? It yeah. just blew your mind. It, it scared the hell out of me when somebody told me that. They're like, <laughs> how many do you think Rosses do you think there were? I counted a dozen. Mm. I counted a dozen. Very strange. Mm. And how exhausting is that? It is, because you, you got to remember things that you told one person or like we're the way you were around one person. And then when you go back to them later on, they're like, Hey, yada, yada, yada. I was like, I don't even remember that. So you just got to play along with it. You know, I think, I mean, you think about it and I, I'm trying to be a little bit of kidding, but also a little bit of seriousness. It's like, we are tremendous actors. I mean, think about it. Be to pull that off on a daily basis to be able to boom, just snap our fingers, you know, your mom's in the room, you're one Ben, I'm one Ross, then friends come in because you just walk, basically walk into another room or you drive a couple miles down the road and walk into your friend's house, you're totally another Ben. Oh, absolutely. I mean, There's that, no preparation. It's talking yeah. about an act. I mean, you, it's Academy Award winning material here. It's funny that you say that because, I mean, I remember a time when I was in high school where me and one of my friends named Ricardo, he would, me and him would always be getting in trouble. Like mm-hmm. Every single day, my mom would be getting a call from the principal, Ben and Rick did this. Ben and Rick did this. So the first time my mom actually re- met Ricardo, um, I introduced him as Blake Gonzalez. And it was so funny because we were able to get away with that for about three and a half months because we know we're both we're both addicts. I mean, we're both. We were Why'd both you give him another name? Because if my mom knew I was hanging out with the person named Rick, who she always getting called from the principal, Ben and ah, Rick did this. I get it. She wouldn't want me hanging out with them. So I introduced him as Blake and we got away with it for like two, three months, you know? Really? Yeah. What's up with Rick now? Uh, he's uh, he's actually doing a little bit better, you know. He's, he's I haven't talked to him in a while though. I really I, mm. I hope he's doing well. I heard he's got a kid on the way, so I really hope he's he's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. man, it's a crazy world, dude. It is. You should think about that though. Think about who you are. All the different ones. I I tell you, it didn't. I didn't start changing until I really realized all the different me's that were showing up. Mm-hmm. Because when I got sober, the you know, I went to, you know, you went through seven or eight treatments, so do I. I think I went through seven treatments, and I say, and I, I technically went to eight, but I went AWOL from one of them. Um, and I, when I went through my last one, I really thought about who I was. And it was like, it was kind of like, it was like a thread, like I was pulling on my, like a sweater because who I was, there were so many different who I was. Right. I mean, it was just, I, and it almost, it kind of jacked me up a little bit because I was just like, I don't even know, like, I thought I knew who I was, but it's like all all of these lies I have going for me right now, Mm -hmm. honest to God. And it's like. I, I I do not believe that I would be where I'm at right now if I didn't just cut all those out. Like, literally, you can't do anything in this world until you identify what the actual problem is. You know, yes, you you're, the big picture is there's a drug addiction going on here. No, no, no shit. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> we get it. But you have, you've got all these little pockets just in this short little, you know, thing that you told me in the last 15 minutes we've been talking that – there are pockets of, we probably identified at least a half a dozen 
different bends. Oh, yeah, yeah. And of who you want to be. You know, we're going to go to a quick break right now, but when we get back, I really want to know where do you think the old you still comes up in your day-to-day life? Granted, you're you're seven, you're 78 days into this. Tomorrow, God God forbid, you're going to have 79 days. Right. And yeah. I think you'll do it. <laughs> I yeah. think I think you'll be fine. Um, I think you'll make it through the night. But I want to know is the old you still popping up? Where do you see it, in all honesty? All right? So we're going to get to that. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about it, okay? Okay. Cool. Guys, we're, um, we're, we're talking to Ben right now. Ben is, a, um, is an ex-heroin addict, coke addict, and meth addict. He's 20, uh, 23 years old, and uh, he's been there, done that. Um, he's um, being extremely honest and open with us and just, you know, two former drug addicts just kind of shooting the shit here, talking about what it was and... How do we get ourselves better? So I appreciate you being with us. We're going to go to a quick break, and uh, thanks for joining us. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit RebosTreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. If you're looking to be your best possible you, that is, in your top physical, mental, and spiritual health, then tune in each week to the Dr. Denise Wood Show. Every week, Dr. Wood and her guests will talk about the topics that you can relate to. We do it all with a little fun, understanding, and a lot of great information. In the end, we aim to put you on the path to a better you, one show at a time. Listen live to the Dr. Denise Wood Show every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are doing another episode of our client files. Um, everybody, I get a ton of emails that people um, love it when we have, you know, people that are in different stages of their recovery, uh, alcohol, drugs, eating, you name it. Um, people get allowed out of and of just hearing where people are at and the struggles that they're going to. I know there's a lot of people that are listening right now that um, frankly have gone through what my guest Ben and I have been through. We've been through a lot of hell. We've told a lot of lies. Uh, we've had some fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> We've definitely had some fun. Yeah. I don't think there's, you know, people when I first got sober, Ben, people always, I had this one counselor. He's like, you should be embarrassed for some of the times you've had. I said, some of them. I'm like, what? And he should be, you have a big black spot on your, on your, you have a, how do you put it? You have a big black spot, um, like dark black spot on your story. Mm. You know, you should be kind of ashamed of it. And I, I didn't know when I first got sober, I didn't know what that meant. Right. I was like, what? I was like, that's, I, I was like, okay, I guess. But I was like, I had so much fun that one night. You know, I went to this concert, a bunch of girls, we had a great time, this was this. And as I got sober and I went through my life, a lot of my past was, um, wasn't great. You know, I had some pretty dark days. Right. Really dark days, but you know what? Me too. I had some really great times doing coke, and 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 I don't I don't encourage people to do it. But I had some times that I would, if I was to write a book about my life, I'd put it in there. It's a chapter right. in my book. Yeah, I can't be ashamed of what it was. Um, I always like to say too that my drug addiction was. I mean, it really was the best thing that ever happened to me. The only reason why I'm talking to you right now is because I was a cokehead. Um, I admitted that I was. I got help. I mean. If I didn't admit I was a cokehead or anything, I was still doing it. You and I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I wouldn't have my job. I wouldn't have my career. I wouldn't own my own treatment center. Wouldn't be married to a beautiful blonde hair, blue eyed girl from Southern California. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have what I have. It's all because of drugs, which is kind of kooky to think. Everybody always thinks that, oh, my life is horrible. I'm a drug addict, and parents and loved ones are always like, this guy is going to be nothing, or this girl is this. I think it's always important that people really know that this is. This is a valuable chapter in your book, and you can get a lot out of it. And in a little bit, I want to talk about it. You said, I asked you why you wanted to do this show, and you said you wanted to do it because you want to help people later on. I want to get to that in a second, but where we left off is I want to know the old you and where it's still popping up because at 78 Days of Sobriety, which is monumental, the way that you ran and the way that I ran – you know, one, I mean, 78 days, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. It's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you're still really close to the old you. 78 days ago, you were probably somebody you wouldn't want to bring home to your to, oh, to anybody. Absolutely not. No, yeah. you probably did things. It's one of my counselors said, "You Ross, you probably did things that made the devil even say, dude, what are you doing?'" <laughs> I've never heard that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be really honest, yeah. okay? Uh, we we're not we, we're not the kind of guys that you would want to bring home to your mom. Probably, you know, no. some girl. No. But so seventy eight days ago, you were a different guy, and I say this with a lot of love and a ton of respect, but. Where do you think, in all honesty, do you see the old Ben popping up during the day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And doing um, what? Um, like, just doing the, the most simplest tasks, like, um, just, like, talking to a girl. The old Ben will pop up and be like, you know, this is not something normal to, you know, like, when are we going to go do some drugs together, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, every aspect of my life, I've had to change my thinking. And, and yeah. Just change your thinking of how? Yeah, just change my thinking about every single thing and be a normal person, you know? Yeah. I mean, the normal me would think, all right, when am I going to, when am I going to relapse, you know? Mm -hmm. And just getting that idea on my head, it, like the first, I've been through treatment nine times, mm -hmm. and every single time I've set reservations. I'm going to get to this point, and then I think I deserve a drink, or I think I deserve to do drugs again. There's a point in every single time where I think, 
this is where it is time for me to self-sabotage. And this time I'm just trying to make sure that that thinking never comes back. Is that self-sabotage or is that I don't want to get sober? Um, is that like I don't want to get sober for life? I'm just trying to get sober to get the heat off my back. Well, most of the time, it's like I naturally want to get sober. I, I mean, I, I've 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 had chunks of sobriety where I've actually. What's been the most really sobriety happy. you've ever had? Uh, probably about eight months. Really? Yeah, uh, I was on house arrest at that point in time, you know. But still, I mean, it was a helping factor. But I mean, it was by force. But you still had eight months. I, yeah, still had eight months. I had a good job, good car. You know, I was I was doing very well for myself. And alcohol is what. What what brought me back? I mean, I, I I started by just going to the bar for a drink here and there, you know, and then before I knew it, I went to the bar on payday and I ended up putting my car into a semi truck at 120 miles an hour that night. And I don't remember it. I didn't have my seatbelt on. It tore the car to. It looked like a crumbled beer can after I was done wow. with that car. And I woke up in jail. And I I, I don't remember. You hit, a, you hit a semi at 120 miles an hour and you're yep. alive. I am alive. Yeah. Any injuries? No, not a scratch on me. With no seatbelt and none of my airbags deployed. Holy smokes. When the police showed up on scene, I was trying to drive said car out of a ditch because it kind of rolled up the hood of the semi-truck a little bit. And the car actually went airborne and flew into a ditch. Wow. I I don't remember any of it. I remember bits and pieces. Uh, I remember at the bar. I remember drinking. I remember... Do you remember getting in the car? I do not remember getting in the car. So you don't even remember leaving the bar? No. I remember I remember almost... Lo- I remember one small glimpse and I don't know if it's because of the accident and the severe force of the accident that caused me to lose part of my memory that... Or if it was just because I was blackout drunk. But I do remember one part and I was driving down the highway and I remember like reaching over for something and kind of lose control and then I remember correcting myself and like slamming into the window a little bit with my body because I had to correct the the car so hard. I remember keeping on driving. I woke up in jail after that point. I don't remember. Wow. First time I seen the car, I my mom said, uh, they say the car's totaled, but it's a 2001, so that could just be in a bumper or something like that. And then when when my mom came to visit me that first time after I got transferred from one jail to another, she came to visit me and she held a picture of the car up to the glass. And oh, you're talking on the phone with her. You're talking the, on the phone through the glass of the jail. And where is I, this? This was in Newton County, Indiana. Wow. After I got transferred from Lake County, uh, Lake County Jail, and I remember she held this picture up to the window, and the shock I felt. I felt such, such pain. You know, I put my heart and soul into that car. You know, that's what I did to keep me sober. Is I worked on that car every single day of my life because I had no. It was a 2001 Volkswagen Jetta. You know, it was passed down from my grandmother. It was mint condition. Only it was had, yours. It was mine. 2001 only had 80,000 miles, and it was just a perfect car. I put like $5,000 worth of stereo equipment in it. You know, you couldn't even get the spare tire out of the trunk, and it, it, it's just it I love yours. that car to death. You know? Yeah, it was yours. And what really hit me, and when my father said, he said, "I would if I could go back. I would never change giving you that car because I seen how much you loved and took care of it. You know, you cherish that car. Yeah. And I'm, and he just said, I'm glad that you're still alive. You know. Well, my mom, when they pulled it off the tow truck, and put it in my driveway, my mom said she just immediately started crying. Like, I could have lost my son that day. Holy smokes. Yeah. So you're in jail. In jail. 
and your mom comes to see you, you can't touch your mom because you're talking to her through the glass on a phone, mm-hmm. and she holds a picture up to the glass, Yep. and I, I can't even imagine what that was like for you. Did that shock you? Did that, like, I mean, you probably were like, were you shocked? You were shocked when you saw the picture of the car, uh-huh. but were you shocked seeing your mom? Did that register? Shocked seeing my How mom. much, how, like... And that checked her up. Oh, no. I was absolutely shocked that she came that day. Um, she, I think she was brought by my grandfather because she said she didn't want to drive. Mm. Um, and I remember she said, I brought you your whites, which which in that jail you're allowed to bring. Somebody from the outside could bring clothes for you. Mm-hmm. So they bring, like, white T-shirts, white boxers, yeah. white shoes, white socks. And my mom said to me, she goes, do you know how many times I've had to rush around and find white clothes for you to bring. How many times have you been to jail? Uh, nine. Nine times. Nine times. Wow, you're wow. 23. 23. You've been to jail nine times. How much? What have you done? Time? Uh, between those nine arrests, I mean, I've had uh, small bits, you know, a week here, a week here, but altogether, I tallied it up. I've done 13 months in the county jail, and I've done seven months in uh, work release. Wow. Yeah. All for what? All for anything from uh, multiple DUIs uh, to felony drug possession to felony theft and not receiving stolen property um everything in between pretty much every single arrest i've ever had has been drug related you know or caused by doing something so that i could get more drugs you probably want to stay pretty far away from drugs huh oh yeah no i have a lot this it's the first time since i was like 15 years old when i moved before i was here and get away from my old stomping grounds and it was it was great you know and i thought i was invincible i stopped working a program i stopped you know going to my classes i got my own apartment i thought to myself i got this because i'm away from my old stomping grounds i'm created a stomping grounds in florida so let me get this so if you want to be away from from the drug addict you i got and i say this with a love and a lot of love and respect why do you wear what do you wear you got a shirt on it's got a bong. It says 420. It's got a marijuana leaf. It says just hit, just just hit this. I mean, I that's what I ask. It's when it comes up. It's like, do you even know you're wearing that? Uh, yeah, I knew I was wearing. I was wearing a. I mean, it's like if you don't it. want, dude, you don't do drugs very well. You keep going to jail. I would think. So that's what I'm wondering. Is and I, I say this, I'm not trying to call you out, but I'm trying to oh, call no. you out. Yep. In the sense, it's like, dude, you are lucky to be alive. You're 23 years old. And, you know, you want to be sober, but there's a part of you, the old you is still alive. One of the old yous is yeah. still very much alive. You wore that shirt today to get a reaction out of somebody. Honestly, I didn't wear it as a reaction. I wore it because I liked the way the shirt fit. And I like the color black. And I was wearing a hoodie over this shirt when I first came to Reba. But when you see that, you look in the mirror. I mean, think about it. You're 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 wearing shit that makes you. That's just advertising the old you. I'm telling you, I've to get sober, you way. can't do it. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. You can't do it. You can't. You still have one foot in the old you. And at 78 days of sobriety, I get it. You're going to make some mistakes because you're not. You're going to totally underestimate what this is. Right. But I don't know how many more nine lives you got left. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I if I was you, I would be doing. I mean, I would double check and double check every single thing of all your actions. I mean, tomorrow when you come to when you come into you know go to treatment and the next day, you should really look at who you are on a daily basis. Is it just like the old you? That's the old you right now. The clothes you're wearing are the old you. The new you. If you like black shirts, sweet, wear black shirts. But look at what's going on. Every time you look in the mirror, you're looking at the old you. I used to. The way I used to dress was I used to wear just these ripped up jeans. I had these crazy ass t-shirts on, you know, old beer shirts, this and that. I looked like just a bum. Mm. And one of my counselors said to me, he goes, he says, "I, I like your shirts. I like your jeans. But look at how you look in the mirror. Is this how you would look when you were using drugs? Because you're really trying to change who you are. Mm. Every single aspect of it. Hey, take it or leave it. Right. It's totally oh, your yeah, call. You can't wear that shirt in my treatment center anymore, though. Right. <laughs> okay. So put your hoodie back on once we leave here. Okay. Uh, but, but think about that. How it is. I mean, do you really want it or not? I don't know. I'm a pushover. If I see the old me, my head romanticizes everything. I can romanticize a bong hit like nobody's business. I don't know. I can't. That's what I do. That's you know why. That's what I do is because I'm a good drug addict. Right. I'm very grateful. Uh, I, I should say grateful. Um, I have not smoked weed out here in California. It's definitely a different change, you know. I probably shouldn't wear this shirt because it does advertise. And, you know, like I said when I first came on the show, I want to help others. And this shirt is not, not helping, helping others. others. Yeah, it's doing the opposite. And You're I turning them on. Yeah, so I It's I like watching a guy who's got wearing, a porn addiction and walking yeah. around with a naked chick on your back. I mean, yeah, it's like. I apologize for wearing the shirt, and I'll definitely. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, know. and I'm not trying to be rude oh, about no, it or anything like know, that. Call me out. But I, I just, I want you to have success because I'm watching a guy who's been to jail all these times, mothers crying, cars are torched. Um, you're playing with the three most deadly drugs on the market right now, and I don't. Know, how many more times do you think is your family? Your are you talking to your family right now? Your mom? Yes. Every yeah. day. Uh, I, I talk to my mom every day. My dad maybe once a week. Um, brothers pretty rare. Yeah. Hopefully that'll change. Yeah, absolutely. And that we can we can hopefully we can take that to another level for you, and we can make it happen. I just, you know. I, I average on a day, on a weekly basis, especially with this concoction right here. I mean, you got an upper and you got a downer, mm-hmm. and whew, I mean that's a, that's every time people die is because of these three things. Mm-hmm. They they collide. Oh, yeah. I average three deaths a week. Mine's so, mine's up there too. I just it's, it's gnarly. People die and they don't mean to die. I don't think you're going to kill yourself. I don't think you're suicidal. I think you'll die by accident. Mm-hmm. Or you'll oh, go to jail because they're just right. going to be so sick of it. I think that's just how it generally. I, I can't go just pretty much about every single day. I see a rest in peace on social media, Facebook. Is that or nuts? It, it's gnarly. And if I look up the person every single time, it'll say rest in peace, so-and-so. I'll look up that person and it's somebody I know. And I mean, not never anybody that was it, – it's been a while since it was somebody very close to me but every single time it's somebody that i've seen in the rooms someone that that was trying they were really trying you know but it's and it's sad it really is uh it's checked up but now i look at it as like i'm not gonna let that be me you know i do this for myself but at the same time it's like the other the other day somebody said to me uh ben think about what if you die what's your family gonna have to do 
and I thought about that and I really put effort into really thinking about like what they would have to do if I died out here in Los Angeles and they're they're all the way back home and we're going to take a quick break right now. We're talking to Ben. Ben is 23 years old. Um, he's doing a great job. He's got 78 days of sobriety. You've been through the gauntlet, dude. Um, you really have, and I give you a lot of um, I give you a lot of props, man. I mean, it's not easy. You're coming off three of the most craziest drugs on the planet: heroin, coke, and meth. Um, and you could have given up a while ago, but you're still, you know. I think you want something, so I want to know what you're looking for, and then um, let's talk about what would happen if you did die. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to the power to create yourself with ross ramin to find out more about ross and the program visit the rebos treatment center website at rebostreatment.com now back to the power to create yourself Hi, welcome back to the show. Um, thanks for joining us today. If you want to find out more information about uh, the Rebos Treatment Center, you can go to Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. Uh, we're here in Los Angeles, California. Um, if you've missed any parts of our show today, please check us out on iTunes. You can uh, look under um, the Ross Ramin podcast. Um, and you can check out our past clients that we've had on um, telling their brave and amazing stories. Um, old, you know, professionals in the addiction field that have a, a variety of different um, experience levels. Um, but it's a great way to see what we missed. We've had an incredible conversation with Ben today. Ben's 23 years old. He's got 78 days of sobriety coming down from heroin, coke, and meth. Heroin is, um, he says, is your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's been through between seven and nine treatment centers in five years. He's been to jail, county jail, I mean, over a dozen times. Um, You've destroyed a car, 
uh, by the grace of God, it's only got to be that you're alive. You hit a semi at 120 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't remember it. You don't remember getting in your car. Holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky to be alive. Oh, absolutely. Before we went to break, we brought up a thing about what would happen if you died. Yes. You know, you said that. I used to, back when I used to be a counselor, um, I used to do a group, and it was called, What Would Your Dash Say? And if you look like, kind of like, I wrote this down here. You see, I wrote your birthday yeah. down on here. I'm not going to say it on the air, but it's 12-something-something something through, in today's date, January 12th, 2017. You put a dash in the middle, mm-hmm. and if you were to die... Today, I mean, knock on wood, right. what what would they say about you? Because if you think, and now think about it, you've had 78 days, and how many years have you been doing drugs? Since you've been 12? Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, probably a little more? A little more. Um, no, about, yeah, about 10 years. Yeah, about 10. And so for the past 10 years, your family would either have to talk about this small 78 days... Or zero through 10 years of age. Mm. Think about that. Because in the middle, they're just going to say, well, that's when he started doing drugs and that's when he was doing drugs. He was in jail. It's a kind of a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Half of your life has been high. Yeah. It's gnarly to think of it that way. I, and I'm not saying to spook you out, but yeah. mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, you're right on the te- you're right on 50-50. And the other 50% of your life, I mean, you were so undeveloped. I mean, you haven't even had any experiences. You're too young to have experiences from zero to 10. I mean, you do, right. but you don't. Right. I mean, yeah. you don't, you're not married. You don't have a job. You didn't right. get your own, you know, that type of stuff. Um, travel the world, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but you haven't. 50% of your life has been high. Yeah. And if you really think about it, you started doing drugs right at puberty. So you went from an adolescent to when you go puberty. So adolescence is one. So your life is going by one line here. Mm -hmm. And then puberty comes into play. Your body just changes. You know, weird shit goes on, you know, and it goes up here. But you hijacked your life with respect. And you took this other jagged line like way up here. Mm. And so you hijacked the natural flow of who you were meant to be. So now at 23 years of age, you've never even met yourself. The last true self you knew was when you were 10. Because granted, you had that eight months of sobriety when you were under house arrest, but that was a very controlled environment and you were made to do it. It wasn't when you're made to do something, you're going to have different, you know, eye awakening moments as opposed to if you really want this, like you're here underneath your own steam, correct? Right. Yeah. Something to think about. Something really to think about. It's like, are you done? Do you think you are? I think so. Uh, These 78 days have been incredible. Why are they different than other 78 days? Because I've never hit a bottom like I hit this time. Have you hit bottom? Oh, without a doubt. What is bottom? Bottom's uh, (laughs) homeless, shooting up methamphetamines every single day. At some point, it became praying to just die already. Like, I didn't want to live. You don't anymore. think it could have gotten worse? Uh, it, worse would have been dying. 
I, it was, it was horrible. Um, I just couldn't let go of the feelings I had. And I just, at one point I was praying to God that this meth would just give me like a heart attack so I could stop. And then one day I just, I, I don't remember what happened, but one day I was like, I need, I, I can get help. Why don't I get help? I'm praying for this, something absolutely idiotic when I could just like stop. And, and it absolutely is not just as easy as stopping, but I just was like, all right, it's time to do something different. So I went to detox. I got transferred to Rebo's treatment. And this is the best treatment experience I've ever had in my life. I appreciate that. By far. I appreciate um, that. The individualized care for each person here is is astonishing and i'm I, not I, asking you for this either this, oh i know I mean, this, this is a very generous plug i'm no, not asking is, for that i'm i appreciate it yeah no this is just me saying this because this is actually how i feel i appreciate and, it and i i work a 12-step program through alcoholics anonymous good and you should. It, it, it's it's great you know i i focus on the spiritual aspect and i felt closer to you know my my spirituality and my faith has definitely Taking some leaps and bounds to what is spirituality to you? Spirituality. It's my favorite. I got all my spirituality. I got my feathers. I got my rocks. I'm a spirituality is what got me to where I'm at right now. Right. So what? Is, what is it to you? Spirituality to me is my connection to God. Uh, it's the way I feel when, for example, when I'm meditating or something like that. The way I feel in connection to God. You know, I have faith that God is there. He's looking over me and. And he's he's helping me with strength and hope and understanding of what's going on in my life, but that connection is my is my view on spirituality. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. What what is working the program to you? When the people say, "Are you working your program, man? Are they you doing it?" Do people say that to you. Yeah, absolutely. What, what is that to you? Well, to put in perspective, people used to say, are you working the program? I said, yes. And when I meant yes, I was doing what my sponsor, doing what I was told. Doing what I'm What's told. wrong with doing what's, what's, with what you're told? Nothing's wrong with doing what I'm told, but doing the work, because I, I want to do the work. I want to see what's next. And I'm working the steps wholeheartedly, honestly, and, and looking forward to the next, you know, phase of my life because I actually want it. Before, I mean, I've always wanted it, but, like, this time I actually, there's no turning around. I want this more than anything else. I want sobriety. You're going to have to put your, you're going to have to put, you know, when people say, are you work, you're working your program, mm. I thought that was showing up every day. But what is showing up? What is that? If you're really doing the steps, it's you got to imply those. You got to put those into apply them on a daily basis to your life on every decision you do. Right. You really do, and that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's figuring out who you don't want to be on a daily basis. Because if you really want to help, why do you want to help people in this industry? Like in this, what? Why people at seventy eight days of sobriety don't say that. I mean, they do, but they do, but they but don't, I think it's you know, I didn't because I, I like the way I didn't I feel. You know, <laughs> I didn't I really, say that at seventy eight days sobriety. Like I notice myself in groups. Like I'm that guy who like speaks up. You know, if the facility, you call people out, yeah, I'll, I'll call you out in a heartbeat. I'll call you out and I'll correct it, and I'm not afraid to do that. And in the end, I've had people thank me. It, it just that, that that you're calling them out on on just on shit that they do that you just already know doesn't right. work. 
Oh yeah, no, not just not just that. Like they'll say like uh, this and this and this and this, and I'll be like, that's absolute garbage. You know, like you're just saying that. You know, when I've viewed you do this or I've viewed you do that, and and like I'll go up to the newcomer in a meeting and I'll shake his hand and I'll remember his name, and when I see him that following week at the same meeting and I go up and say, hey, so and so, and you, the light in their eyes when you actually remember their name it means a lot to them it means a lot to them they're and, scared to death and, and it, it means a lot to me you know I, when i help somebody and they actually wholeheartedly like say thank you or they apply it i feel so good not only about myself but mm-hmm. like i feel like i have some kind of purpose in this. it reinforces you too right absolutely uh, you know i'm I, you probably don't you, you don't know this because you don't know me that well but i am extremely shy very shy i get spooked it's not the reason why i did drugs is it gave me courage, mm-hmm. but you know I'm almost ten years. So I'll have ten years in June, so I'm six months away from it. But I, when I still go to meetings, I am so shy. I am so like grateful for those people that come up and just that are just nice. How you doing? I'm John. I'm I'm Susie. I'm wh- whatever it is. Thanks for mm-hmm. coming tonight. They don't know how long I've been sober or not been sober. Mm-hmm. They don't know if I come there every week or I don't go there every week. Right. It's just. It means the world to people that are like me, mm-hmm. that are really shy. So guys like me that are super shy, we go into these meetings and we look for people that are like you. We look for people that are just the outgoing people. And you. And I remember you saying to me that um, your mom said you have the courage in right. the family. Yeah. And so that's kind of odd to think, though. You have the courage in the family, but yet you were doing the drugs to get the courage. Right. What's up with that? I don't know. What is your mom seeing in you that you refuse to see in yourself? Because uh, I don't think it's a mom just being a mom. No. And being really nice, like, that's my boy, you know, right. kind of a thing. I think it's you. I mean, why is that? Do you think it's, I mean, are we're, again, with respect, you having a little pity party for yourself? You watch your brother? Were you jealous of your brother doing what he did, thinking that's what you're supposed to do? You know what? I don't know. I never really thought about that. And uh, maybe, you know, because I kind of, you know, I, but I was always so proud of my brother. Mm-hmm. My brother was like my hero growing up. So I don't, I don't want to say like I was ever jealous of him. But did you like the attention? Because the other part of it, too, is my brother was an incredible athlete. Right. I was totally the black sheep of the family. I got like I got a sister who's just really artsy, phenomenal mom right now. Another sister, valedictorian, like medical doctor, a brother who's a big athlete. There's a little part of me that was jealous. Right. Like they're getting attention. Like I struggled in school. I struggled with sports. I got attention by doing drugs. The last guy standing who could drink the most, who could do the most drugs. I mean, who could right. put the most whatever in their body and still be just killing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, the way you put it that way, I guess yeah. Because uh, when I was in that time frame, people would come up to me and like, "Oh, you're Jimmy's brother," and I'd be like, "Yeah." And it's like, "Oh, are you playing football?" No. Same oh. thing happened to me, dude. Yeah. Same thing happened to me, dude. I was I, like, I played eighth grade football, but I mean, honestly, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't committed. You know, I just mm-hmm. I, I couldn't commit to something like that because I, I just enjoyed. Doing what I wanted to do, I kind of guess. I mean, after that, I got into auto shop, and auto shop was the only class I've ever gotten straight A's, 100% all year long. Didn't even have to try. I mean, I've I've disassembled the motor and put it back together faster than anybody in my class. I'm the same way. 
Mm-hmm. I just, I like doing that stuff. I did well in that type of, mm-hmm. you know, reading was hard for me. Math was hard for me. Science was hard for me. But you put me in those, whether it was the art type classes or the automotive classes, mm-hmm. stuff where you see like. Where I work with my you hands. You know, yeah, like here's here's this bottle. I, you know, we're going to take it apart and put it back together. It's like you can see the right. pieces. Yeah. You're getting satisfaction of putting it together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Legos. I'm a Lego guy. Right. Um, anyway. What um, um, I'm trying to go through what we what we've covered here because this is pretty pretty nuts. The spirituality that's such a huge part of your life where you're going to get. You know the biggest things I can tell you with that is find your personal rhythm, find out who the hell you are, mm-hmm. find out who you want to be, find out who you. It's your sobriety is going to be just like automotives. Your engine seized up, but you don't know where it is. There's a tick. Mm. you got to go through that engine and find out where it's at. you got to find that tech. You're going to pick off one part. You're going to pick off the other part. Take apart, you know, pull the pistons out, this mm-hmm. thing, that thing. Yep. That's what you have to do inside your head to go through this because you know you have a drinking and drug problem. You know that. Yeah. You've known that for probably at least five years now mm-hmm. out of the 10 years you've been doing this stuff. But you're going to have to go in there and find it, and there's little ticks that you got going on you. You can fix them and it can go away completely. But you're going to have to go through your engine. You're going to have to go through your head more. That's what I would do. And this next, before you get to 90 days, you're almost at 80. You know, in the next 10 days, think about it. Mm. When you go through your day, is the old you still coming up? Today, your shirt, old you. How you're talking to a girl, old you. You don't have enough game to be the new you yet. All due respect, (laughs) you don't have enough new game to do the new you yet. (laughs) <laughs> Go through it like that. You're going to have to. It's the same thing with the engine. You're diagnosing yourself. You know what? Your counselors aren't going to be able to do that for you mm. the way that you can do it for yourself. So that's my suggestion. I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. Thanks, ma'am. I really do. Keep kicking ass, okay? Will do. Um, I appreciate everybody joining us today. We, we've been talking with Ben, um, who's 23 years old. He's going on uh, about 80 days of sobriety coming up. Um, he's been through it been to prison or not prison but jail multiple times um you know seven eight nine ten treatment centers um heroin meth coke you name it um and he's just trying to be a different dude you know there's more out there and i really appreciate you being here it takes a lot of courage uh to tell the world about what you're doing and what you're not doing Mm -hmm. i really appreciate it um well thanks for joining us everybody uh we'll see you next week and have a great one be safe Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Rameen on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.